0: Welcome to the It Was a Thing on TV podcast, Episode 4, Submission zero 020, zero. Jennifer Slept Here. It aired on NBC from October 21st of 1983 to September 5th of 1984 for a total of 13 episodes.
1: Jennifer slept here, she lived here, she
0: loved here, laughed here, and wept here. She slept here, and she never really left here. Jennifer slept here. Hello, Mike Klaus here. I'm joined by Chico Alexander, and I we have a special guest for the first time ever. Woohoo! Chris Lane! Never heard of him.
1: Yeah, who cares? Yeah, uh, oh, my God, it's Radio's Chris Lane. Oh, my God, I'm such a big fan.
2: Oh, my God, that one, he, that one, he's here where? Can I get your autograph? Sure, I'm writing it down right now. Hold on a
0: minute. On I, I, this check from your personal bank account that I can go cash?
2: Uh, The only thing you'll be able to get with that is debt, I'm afraid, but if you're welcome to it, if you like it.
0: <laughs> Good, just like my paychecks, getting nothing. All right. I don't. So so Chris is here because uh, he is a fan of this show, uh, Jennifer Slepter. He has all the episodes on DVD, yep. and uh, he has joked for years about Angelian, <laughs> w- which is really one of the main reasons I brought him here. I know he has the DVD. I've known that for years, but uh, his love uh, of Angelian is, is without compare yes I,
2: I what can i say it's there's just something special about her let's just put it that way and uh, i love it when my fellow friends can appreciate the love and beauty that is angelian yeah and we'll get into that a
0: little bit later Absolutely. uh but uh yeah about the show uh, it aired on friday nights sort of continuing our trend of of dealing with nbc friday night shows Uh, Mr. Smith was on at 8 p.m., and then Jennifer Slept Here was on at 8.30, and then 9 o'clock was Manimal, and we're not covering the 10 o'clock show next week because we'll get into that later on in the podcast. And so uh, NBC at some point must have doubled down on trying to save Jennifer Slept Here because in the summer of 1984, right before it was canceled, Jennifer Slept Here also aired on Wednesday nights. So you had Wednesday night and Friday night, and the shows that aired then were just summer reruns. I mean, it's not like nowadays where you have a whole new series which will last six weeks or eight weeks like they do with Pyramid or Match Game or or any of these other short-run series that show up every year. They showed reruns of Jennifer Slept here. Because NBC was trying anything to get people to watch their insipid shows. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Anne Jillian, she was the main star of the show. She played the ghost Jennifer, and she had a, a very good track record going into the show. Not that I'd say her track record was was mangled in any way because she was on Jennifer Slept Here. But she was on the sitcom It's a Living, which was on ABC uh, in 1981 and 82. Spoiler, that might be another episode. Uh <laughs> <laughs> But also, she was nominated for an Emmy and a Golden Globe uh, after portraying Mae West in a 1982 television movie. So she had some, some cachet at the time. She was a, a, a known star, a known entity, uh, obviously award-nominated. So she was not a bum they just picked up off the streets. Uh, but, but also, in addition to Angelia, the other big name that was on this show was Glenn Scarpelli who you might remember as being on one day at a time. He was there from 1980 to 1983. And if this was his decision to go from one day at a time to Jennifer slept here, that might not have been the best career move. Now I know one day at a time only lasted another year or two, but still you're going from a sitcom that lasted nine seasons, I believe eight or nine seasons to, Jennifer slept here. I mean, the only thing that could have been worse is if he moved from, from one day at a time to Mr. Smith.
1: Hey, I will not have you bad-mouthing the good name of Mr. Smith.
0: And I
2: will not have you bad-mouthing the good name of Len Scarpelli.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm being double-teamed. He-
2: he is, yes, here you are. <laughs> I've um I've had the pleasure of uh, speaking to him many times. Um, as far as uh the great thing known as the internet is, and he's an absolutely amazing gentleman. He really is.
0: No, I I can vouch for it. I I know that Chris has spoken to him. Uh, or at least I think is connected to him in uh on social media, and yeah, Glenn Scarpelli from everything I've seen is a great guy, and we all make bad career moves. So uh, it's, it's totally understandable. It's, it's something that happens. but no, you know, yeah.
2: And plus, you also have to take into consideration the 80s was a very eclectic and unique decade when it came to all forms of entertainment, movies, music, and television. Uh,
0: especially around it's, 1983 to 84. You're absolutely right about that. Well,
2: yeah. you know, and when you think about it, it's the, always the center of the decade where the decade's definitions
0: become official. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's true, because when you think 80s, you think Miami Vice, you think uh, outrageous hair, the fashion, yep. the shoulder pads, and the, that's all Pretty right around the 83, 84, 85 timeline.
2: Right, because usually it takes a couple of years where they were still emulating the prior decade.
0: Yeah, very true. Very true. Boy, Chris has been on here for three minutes. He's provided more insight than we've done in three episodes.
1: I know, and I right? and
2: I've been awake for about twenty hours too. Knock knock.
1: Ah, there you go. Th- that
0: that takes talent.
1: Yeah, yeah, he has the uh, distinct advantage of being awake more than we are. But but yeah, I mean the '80s was ju- the '80s was just this whole fantastic time. It, judging by all of the entries in our little logbook here.
0: Yeah, the, the 80s are quite diverse with not just bad shows, but just unique shows. Shows yeah. that, that the networks just tried to throw on the wall, see if it would stick. Some of them stuck for about a year. Some of them, let's say like Night Court, stuck around for nine years.
2: And some of the pasta that was thrown on the wall had so much sauce, it just slid right down to the bottom.
1: Yeah.
0: Speaking of Jennifer Slept here. Uh, (laughs) Oh. Yeah. yeah. I walked right into that.
1: Yeah, you totally did.
0: You nerd jujury folks and your pizzas. Uh, So the show itself, it really, uh, I don't want to say it was a one-trick pony. I'm I'm sure Chris can can overrule me if he wants to uh, about that. But the, the main thing was Jennifer, played by Angelian, she was a ghost of a former actress, a deceased actress. And this sort of uh, uses the, the TV trope of only one person can see and hear you. Not unlike the Great Gazoo and Fred Flintstone or Stewie and Brian on Family Guy. So the person who could see Jennifer was this 14-year-old kid named Joey. By John P. Navin. Yep. and and actually that's another name that I've never heard of. The only two people I've heard of from the show are Angelian and and Glenn, uh, Glenn Scarkelly.
1: You've never heard of Georgia Engel? Oh, Georgia Engel! I totally forgot about her. Yes.
0: Oh, Chico, I appreciate that. I was just
2: getting ready to throw well, a yeah, like,
1: Oh my! Yeah, yes, yes she was on. She was on fricking Mary Tyler Moore, and then on the Betty White show. And no, you're absolutely.
0: No, you're absolutely right. I, I totally forgot about her. I'm sorry. And she did unfortunately just pass away within the last few months. I'm so, very yeah.
2: upset that you don't remember me.
1: That, that, was, that was Chris's impersonation of Georgia Angle, a ghost that only Mike can see and hear.
2: You're in wait, trouble now,
1: Michael. Georgia, wait, wait, Georgia spoke here? Is that what's going on? Yeah. And, and, of course, she played the mom, and the dad was played by Brandon Maggart, who was a big uh, movie star before this, but is mo- more more than likely known for being Fiona Apple's dad. Oh, yeah, and he also did five seasons of Brothers on Showtime.
2: Which is another fantastic show, incidentally.
1: Which is another great show,
0: absolutely. You'll never hear that on this podcast. Um. So, uh, yeah, what I was looking for was the TV Guide capsule previewing Jennifer Slept Here in 1983. And uh, here's what TV Guide said uh, about Jennifer Slept Here. Jennifer Farrell and Jillian was a famous movie star. She died about six years ago and still has a fatal weakness. Her ghost refuses to move out of her Beverly Hills house. She loves the old haunt especially when the tour bus comes by, which it does several times a day, and the driver says, when her star vanished, the heavens glowed a little less brightly. Aww. Don't you you just love it? (laughs) This has got so much corn, I'm not going to go there. Uh, Now the Elliott family moves in from New York, Susan, played by Georgia Engel, George, played by Brandon Maggart, and their two children, Joey, 14, played by, as we said, John P. Navin Jr., and Marilyn age six, played by Maya Ackerling. Jennifer's ghost is assigned, quote-unquote, to Joey, who most of the time is the only one who can see her. She helps him get through a perilous event. It's called puberty. While Joey's friends, especially Mark, Glenn Scarpelli, wonder why he's talking to thin air a lot. Joey's father, meanwhile, is unimpressed with living in Jennifer Farrell's house. Character Susan, this is a quote, you think all Hollywood actresses sleep their way to the top? George. Even Meter Maids sleep their way to the top. Ha 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 ha! ha, ha, ha. Hollywood jokes. Ha 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 ha! <laughs> th- th- 13 episodes. 13 episodes of that.
2: And you know what else? Within that 13 episodes, in typical 80s fashion, they still managed to have a very special one, too.
0: Oh, everything was very special in the 80s. So, yeah, that's the the capsule that uh, TV Guide put in their 1983 fall TV preview.
1: Of course, that was during the pilot, and it was retconned in episode 2 to 20 years ago, which is weird, but whatever.
0: So,
2: <laughs> well, what's old so, is new uh, again, I think. So, in other words, what you're saying is that Jennifer Slept Here was actually way ahead of its time.
1: Well, it was both dated and ahead of its time it's more like a ni- a 1980s answer to the ghost and mrs moore
0: oh and another good show in and of itself uh which starred one charles nelson riley by the way <laughs> 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 had to throw that in there but yeah well it's not necessarily ahead of its time because as i said earlier the great gazoo and fred flintstone did the same thing on on the flintstones this little Martian would come over Fred Flintstone's shoulder, sort of like his conscience, and, oh, you big dummy, don't, you know, do this, or, you know, or you better go get Wilma a, a bouquet of flowers because you screwed up tonight or whatever. And, and he would, t- you know, talk, and I don't think it was ever mentioned on the Flintstones, hey, Fred, why are you talking to your shoulder? But still, it's been done, it's still being done, and it'll be done in the future.
2: And it was done again by NBC later that same decade.
1: Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. And for which show was this?
0: This was a
2: show called Nearly, Nearly Departed.
1: Departed. Oh,
0: another possible future entry. Wink, wink, wink. And Nearly Departed
2: was only on the air for a third of Jennifer Slept Here.
0: Well, Jennifer Slept Here got rerun to death because, we, as I said earlier, the show ran for almost a full calendar year. A uh, little bit over 10 months, and there were 13 episodes done. So, yeah, I mean, it may have been on less time, but there were probably just as many episodes.
2: There were a total of six that were recorded, and only four made it to air. The other two did not get to air until in this country, never when it was rerun briefly in Australia, the other two were shown. Australia, we're
0: sorry. Okay, now that I got that out of the way. Oh, wow. Well, since we have the expert here uh, in the form of Mr. Lane. Who? Oh, am I talking about your dad when I call you Mr. Lane?
2: No, I'll take it. That's okay.
0: Okay, I'm sorry for being professional for for once. That's quite all right, sir. So, oh, oh, I'm not a sir, but I I take that as a badge of honor, too. Okay, very good. So, uh, since we have our expert Chris here and you've seen all the shows what was done good what, what, what was good and what was bad about the shows and if there's nothing good we could just skip to the bad
2: well i mean i'm not gonna lie i mean was the show a masterpiece far from it it was far from a masterpiece but it was about 24 minutes once a week of being able to escape reality if you want to call it that um It was just a weird show that made you think, whether you thought it was, what the heck am I watching? Or, okay, that's interesting. Um, If anything else, it was potential for starting conversations. Whether you, um, everything from the special effects that were used to um, the storylines that were done, which were, let's face it, for the most part, pretty ridiculous. Um, but you know what, and in some cases, you also have to realize, I's all, even though the show was on regular primetime, I sometimes think that in some aspects, it probably would have been better if it had been retooled as a show for either young adults or even younger, not necessarily with the same cast, because there was one episode, for example, where she needs to, uh, she needs to help Joe, uh, Jennifer needs to help Joey break into an office to, uh, his school, because what had happened was he was, uh, writing a letter for typing class. And that goes to show how far back we're going. We're talking, he had a type on a typewriter and he was teasing, you know, having fun with it and calling his teacher all kinds of stuff. Well, his mom accidentally actually mails it instead of the actual one. So then he's like, Jennifer, you can walk through walls. You need to help me get this letter back. Stuff like that makes me think that the show would have been better off if it was targeted at a young adult audience as opposed to an adult audience.
0: You see, I'm actually going to disagree because I go through that every day in my daily life. <laughs> <laughs> except, we don't, except it's not done by actual letters, by typing. It's either right. done through private messaging or sometimes it's uh, graffiti on walls, but enough about my life. <laughs> um, you, you, you do actually bring up a very good point about breaking away from reality mm-hmm. Be, because now that I think about it, that entire, the, 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 two hour block from eight to 10 o'clock on Friday nights is a giant break from reality because you have first a talking orangutan with an IQ of, of 256. Then you've got the ghost of a former movie star, a fictional former movie star who only the teenage son can communicate with. And then you have the ultimate fiction, a man who can shapeshift into animals, uh, depending on the situation, to yeah, save the day, if you will. So, th- so that entire two-hour block was a giant escape from reality, if you look at it.
2: So in other words, in that aspect, it was, in a way, a perfect fit for that block at that time
0: yeah i and i and actually it is perfect for Friday night because you generally most people don't have work the next day. My apologies if you do
1: that's
0: nice. uh I was gonna say that that, that that's you and, and Chico unfortunately, us teachers don't have to work on Saturdays. <laughs> now yeah, you know why why I got... you
1: just rub the salt in
0: the a little bit. But, yeah, well, well now you know now you know why I went to that career path no no, no, I'm kidding, and don't but, forget holidays too. How, yeah, you're very. That's absolutely true. I I, I definitely can understand that. So yeah, yeah uh, so yeah, it was a giant break from reality. And yes, uh, since people don't work on Saturdays generally, with all mm-hmm. due respect to both of my counterparts on this show, y- you don't have the the realism that you might see on a show a different day of the week. It, it's sort of an escape to the weekend. So right. I, I think that's a really a great way that that you. You you mentioned that.
1: It also explains most of the TGIF lineup. Again, spoiler alert.
0: Well, not not just TGIF, but also the the CBS Block Party. Double spoiler alert. That, that, that's another submission we may venture into one day. So I have the uh, the thirteen episodes here and uh and their plot lines. And again, if Chris wants to chime in with. Good, bad, indifferent comments about each show. That's more than appreciated. Let's go down the line. Let's go. We know what the pilot's about. Uh, With Elliot settling into their home, a recently deceased actress, Jennifer Farrell, appears to Joey for the first time. and later talks him out of a return trip to New York City to see a girl he had a crush on before relocating to California. Aww. Aww. Yeah. Boy, that that that's a, that sounds like my life, right? About that time when I was about thirteen, fourteen years old, because yep. that actually happened to me. A girl had a crush on me, and right before uh, we started, you know, really mingling, or or when we would have started mingling, she moved to California. oh aww. aww, I'm still single. Call me. You know where I'm at. And then episode two, Jennifer the movie. A planned biopic on her life leaves Jennifer furious. A rival actress she despised when she was alive will play her. And a key scene to be filmed at her home is alt-altered for tawdry effect. Very true. How tawdry is it? Uh,
2: Basically, uh, her rival was trying to kill her legacy by basically making her out to be the tramp that... Uh, Brandon Maggart's character always assumed that she was, and they did not get along very well when they were um, uh, when they were st- when she was still alive, and it was basically going to be one last F to them. You know what I mean? Really? Yes.
0: That's... And what ends
2: up happening is uh, Jennifer does her magic to make her make it aware that she's around, um, and basically. Um, Joey's character is going, you know, I have a little couple of connections and I can very easily reverse this whole thing. So you better start giving her a little bit more respect and not alter what was reality.
0: Boy, that doesn't sound like real life, you know, caddy actresses going after each other. Well,
2: was Dynasty on the air yet?
1: Uh, yes. 83, yes, yes absolutely. Was.
2: There you and go. Not only
1: was it on the air, it was getting its sort of claws ready to uh, pounce, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah, that doesn't. That doesn't. Yeah. No, that is an
0: apropos. Now, don't tell me this isn't like a precursor to the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills.
1: Uh, I, I, may I, a little I, bit. Well, <laughs> a little in, bit.
0: In, a, in a fictional sense. But right now, what's going on in my mind? That meme from uh, uh, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills with that woman yelling at the person and the white cat sitting there. Yep. <laughs> that that like is that. the best I meme like, ever. I like that
1: cat. Yes, it is. Oh, my gosh. Should be noted that, I mean, what? hey, Chris, did they retcon it from six years to 20 yet? Did, uh, I believe, uh, after the, after the episode, I mean, after the pilot, because I'm imagining a situation where 20 years is, is not kind to anybody.
2: You know what? I don't think it was at that point yet. Okay. I don't think, I think it was later on that that was. Uh, given the, the jumping syndrome, as, you know, the uh, Cunningham syndrome, of course. <laughs> Just that they're dead. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. All right. Episode three. Not with my date, you don't. A new girl stands in the way of Joey and Mark and a pair of concert tickets that the girl actually wants. Yep. So, so apparently they want to go to Oingo Boingo since it's 1983. Nope. It was it a fictional band or a real band? It was Rick Springfield. Oh, oh okay. okay. That was that was the second answer. 1983 is Rick Springfield or 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 Toto or yep. yeah, like yeah, yeah, huh? Yep, it was
2: Rick Springfield. He was still um he was still a little bit hot from General Hospital still, but his music career was already you know taken off. And uh, basically, they both um both uh Mark and Joey they had a thing for this got for this uh girl, and uh. She was basically using both of them, toying with both of them.
0: And was the girl actually trying to play her way to get a date with one person specifically, or was she playing both of them for Fools? Uh, she wanted to
2: get with um, – she, she wa- well, first she wanted to be with Mark because uh, she just had it with – she had the thing going with Mark first. Then what happened was um, – she learns that Joey has Rick Springfield tickets that his parents got him. So then she wants to, you know, he's like, oh, screw, screw, Mar- screw that. I want to go. I want to go out with Joey now because he's got these Springfield tickets. So he's, so it. basically she starts like woozing him over and all that. And uh, ultimately he decides ultimately uh, Jennifer steps in, of course, because why not? And basically does everything but call her a hussy. And eventually uh, the two guys go
0: together to the concert. Ooh, cat's got claws. Typical girl. Trying to get the – I shouldn't say typical girl. Apologies to the girls out there. It's just my life experiences are different than most. Trying to get the money, trying to get the the actual product. No, I don't love you for your looks or your sense of humor or your intelligence. I love you for your Rick Springfield tickets.
1: Yep. Which one does in the mid-1980s oh absolutely
0: absolutely oh, yes oh episode four the creatively titled boo and we're not talking about somebody's boo their best friend it's a ghost boo the ghost of jennifer's mother debbie reynolds there's a yep. good name to attach to the show pays her daughter a visit, but goes missing after the two have falling out over the influence the mother had on her daughter's career to help contact her in a seance, Jennifer ass- agrees to assist Joey in impressing a pair of twin girls. Joey's a little pimp. He had a girl for the concert in the last episode. Now he's trying to impress a pair of twin girls? Oh, yes. I can't wait until the next episode he goes after triplets.
2: Uh, no, that did not happen, unfortunately. Oh <laughs> So uh, basically, uh, uh, Jennifer's having a fit, and Joey's like, what's going on? She was like, oh, I think my mother's coming. And sure enough, here, here she comes, the fabulous Debbie Reddles, God rest her soul. And, uh, they're just clashing from the get-go because she never, um, she didn't believe that Jennifer was doing the proper type of acting work that she should have been doing, you know, and that she always felt that she was being disrespected, even though she wasn't. Um, and long story short, also, uh, the twin girls were, they were next door. I believe they were, I think they were next door. They were down the street. I forget. But, uh both um both Clint Scrippell's character and John P. Navin's character were both uh trying to get with one of them and they were um they gave up going to a party to hang out with them and they were like oh well we're gonna have a party here and you know they started having uh Joey had started decorating the the house like for Halloween and all that but they were very unimpressed because you know it was cheap tacky decorations so of course he goes Jennifer I really need some help here I need to impress these ladies So she goes, okay. so she works her magic and makes the things fly around and all that. And it freaks them out, you know, and of course they, you know, get into their arms and all that. And, you know, typical 80s, I got to get with the girl plot. So how am I going to do it? How am I going to scare her into it?
0: And you see, the first thing that I thought of when I read this plot line, it predates Jennifer Slept Here by a couple of years, is the movie Mommy Dearest. Oh, boy. Love that movie. Yeah, oh, oh, great movie if you've never seen it. Great, play. but uh, just uh, the the falling out thing. Just yeah, yes. Christina uh, Crawford and Joan Crawford. I could uh-huh. just see, I could just see Debbie Reynolds coming out of the closet. No wire hangers. Well, she well, well, you know how Debbie Reynolds was. She had that class to her. That she oh, lit- she absolutely did, absolutely. Now, now I wonder if Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher might are clashing or or might have clashed. Don't make me bring up that episode boo of Jennifer Slept Here. I will do that on you, Carrie. (laughs) Oh, episode five. The reason I say ooh is just looking at the the first two words of of this uh, capsule. Monty Hall. It's an episode called Calendar Girl. Monty Hall has a cameo in, in an episode that finds Joey discovering a box of Jennifer's unclaimed items which yes. included a nude photo she posed for early in her career. And when George discovers it and plans to sell it off at an auction at her estate, Jennifer asks Joey to retrieve it. Yes. So what did Monty Hall do? Was he the auctioneer? I mean, that would be like a perfect fit for how he was in Let's Make a Deal. <laughs>
2: uh, ironically, he was not an auctioneer. He wanted to buy the nude the, uh, the picture. Okay. He wanted to buy the nude picture, so he was there as... A patron.
0: Gotcha.
2: And uh and it was actually (laughs) it was weird because you know, uh George's character, you know how sweet and innocent she always is in her shows. Of course, now George already saw the nude picture and all that, and she's like, Oh, this thing, this thing is the one thing that we're selling for the auction. We need to make the money, and blah, 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 blah. And (laughs) all uh George's character saying he was like, Well, why would anybody want that old calendar? 1968 ain't coming anytime. Again, why would anybody want that calendar? You know, totally oblivious to the fact that she's naked in the picture.
0: Boy, imagine if this was about 13 years later, you've got this thing called eBay where everybody will buy a calendar from 1968.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. So anyway, what ends up happening is uh, they're able to get the calendar back. And what's funny is, is that when they said all they said in the in the uh, listing was that it was a nude photo. So I forget exactly how it happens. But they were able to swap the photo with a nude baby
0: picture. Seems legit.
2: Yeah, just like every just like any other time it goes wants to get rid of wants to make sure a painting doesn't go to auction. That's what you do.
0: It's common knowledge. And this lasted only 13 episodes? Yeah. Okay. Only. only 13 episodes. Only. Oh although oh, this this could be celebrating its 37th season this year, but no. 13 episodes.
2: I'm detecting a little bit of sarcasm in there, Michael.
0: A little bit? All right, a lot. Oh, we're knee deep in sarcasm at this point. Knee deep in the hoopla. Great record, too. Episode six. One of our jars is missing. I was actually,
1: I actually liked this episode. Um, This, and I'm going by the almighty knowledge by consensus Wikipedia here. After seeing their son talking to a lamp, George and Susan hire a phony expert on Poltergeist, played by Zelda Rubenstein, who played a similar role in the film Poltergeist. To rent the house of Jennifer, and to Joey's shock, it works. Now Joey and Jennifer must convince her to restore Jennifer's power before a letter that Joey accidentally wrote is mailed off. And oh, the there, only... and, and there's the... Uh, there's the B ...talking plot. about earlier. That was the B-plot from earlier. Chris? Yes.
2: <laughs> so here's the deal. First of all, Zelda Rubinstein is an absolute riot. She could do, she did this so well. Obviously, from her association with Poltergeist the year before, uh, she basically admits that she's a quack. Uh, what happens is she takes her spirit. Well, first of all, let me back up a little bit. Joey agrees to do this uh, not only as a way to have Jennifer prove that she cannot be stopped by a poltergeist. Uh, I'm sorry, stopped by a, um, I guess, exorcist. I guess one thing you would call it, I guess. Yeah. So he agrees to do it for the sake of his, of his folks. So when she comes out and she's doing it, of course, Jennifer's mocking her, of course, the whole time. And she goes, okay, uh, I've put her spirit into this pickle jar. So she's now in an empty pickle jar. So Joey picks up the pickle jar and there she is in the pickle jar and she's having a fit. She's like, first of all, it smells like pickles in here. Just call me Mrs. Clausen. Uh, She was uh, just not liking it. Well, what ends up happening is he, you know, uh, going back to the letter, you know, has to go grab the letter. And what happens is uh, they go over to um, what do you call it? The way that it works is they're able to get her out of the jar Joey was able to get her out of the jar just by unscrewing it, so she got out of the jar. But the problem is, is that she was getting ready to disappear because what Zelda's character had done was literally exercise her. So they go over to her and they're like, you know, asking her, you know, you have to help me, you have to help me. And Zelda's character is going, well, I have no problem with that, but there's only one problem. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, quote unquote. So she's like, basically, I am a performer. I go to a couple of parties. I make a couple of bucks. I don't know what I'm doing. So, ultimately, they are able to reverse the spell, and the day is saved. Yay. You have just as much enthusiasm as Michael did a minute ago. And, and I know and, we can both think And thinking, that's not sarcasm. I know we both are thinking. This crazy guy knows all this about a simple show that was, like, from 1983.
1: No, but he, ser- no, seriously, I, it's like... One of those things. It's like that. It's like this plot. This whole this episode was what drew me to you know look look up more about this show. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I would probably,
2: I would probably say that this was one of the better episodes out of in the whole series. I think that one was probably the best one.
0: Well, also I'm going to add, and and this is by no means is is demeaning, but. Everybody is an expert at something. Everybody loves something so much that they know so much about the topic. I mean, if we're talking about TV shows, I absolutely love the Critic from 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Spoiler, that might be coming up in the near future. Uh, so the thing is, yeah, just because you know so much about a goofy 13-week sitcom, I mean that's that's no reflection on your character. I mean that that's actually something that that's the reason I brought you here because I knew you're such a a big fan of the show. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that.
2: And it's actually funny because, I mean, obviously I was too young when the show was on. It's never been rerun. Um, a former friend of mine, uh, we uh, hung, were hanging out one day and we played that game, you know, where let's grab a blank, a VHS tape with no label and see what's on it, which is always good for a laugh and fun. And one of the episodes of Jennifer Slept Here was on that tape. And I was like, what show is this? And he was like, oh, where do you see this cornball show? So I watched the episode and I thought it was crazy. And uh, that was when I scoured the Internet and was trying to find the episodes. And I was ultimately able to find them. And then that just kind of started my whole liking for finding strange and unusual shows.
0: And that's sort of why we're here. Absolutely. So
2: pretty much Jennifer Slept Here is what got me interested in looking up more information about short-lived forgotten sitcoms.
0: Yeah, and I mean we've all gone down that rabbit hole at some point. We uh-huh. we see something on some web page or some blog and then, oh, I got to look at this show a little more, see what this is all about, and then next thing you know, 5 hours later you've watched all 13 episodes. Yep. And and truthfully between myself and Chico and Greg while we're doing all the 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 submissions that, uh, and ideas for future shows, That has brought us down many a rabbit hole, and I can even admit. Yesterday, I went down one such hole. Yesterday, uh, during my lunch period, for an episode which actually we're not going to do it until I think July. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to give the name of the show, but it's for an episode we have slated for uh, July of of 2020. And I, I just, and it's kind of interesting revisiting this show because. I told Greg and and Chico I had stumbled across an episode of this show on YouTube maybe five years ago, six years ago, and I couldn't last about three minutes into it. It looked so corny and cheap, Uh, and that may actually be a a little bit of a hint towards who the producer of the show was, corny and cheap. Um, But then I went back yesterday, and it's like, you know, this really isn't bad. It's a little goofy it's again done on the cheap but you know it's really not a bad show and then so i know exactly what you're talking about you know just going into one of those situations where you're like okay this is some goofy show oh it's actually sort of interesting or 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 it catches my eye somehow and then suddenly next thing you know you've watched all 13 episodes a dozen times
2: yep that's pretty much that's pretty much how i'm able to recite these from memory
0: well, again, like I said, everybody does that. Not everybody, but yeah, you know, there's certain shows that uh, people do that with. Like I said, The Critic is is one of my favorites, and that was only on for two seasons. And uh, there's other shows I have on DVD which lasted six shows or thirteen shows. And I have so, so I totally I, I have
2: put them in route. I can't wait.
0: Episode seven. So here's the halfway point. The the median. Trading faces, Jennifer discovers that she has the ability to enter other people's bodies. So she uses Susan so she can rekindle a formal mortal flame.
2: (laughs) Yes, she does. Basically, it starts off with uh, Joey and Jennifer watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers on TV. So he's going, hey, Farrell, can ghosts really do that? And she's like, no, it's ridiculous. And Joey's like, well, have you ever actually tried it? And she said, no, but I don't think that it could actually work. Enter little sister, annoying little sister. And Joey's like, hey, give it a shot. you got nothing to lose. So she enters the little sister's body, you know, and of course she has her, you know, her ridiculous, you know, I've played some small venues in my life, but this is ridiculous. And then um, she learns that she can very easily enter other people's bodies. Uh, And she starts having fun with it. She entered um, Vince Carpelli's character. And uh, walks up to Joey and goes, I've never mentioned before, but you have beautiful eyes. And of course, he's freaking out because he's like, What are you talking about? Then here comes Jennifer out, ha ha, I fooled you. And uh, ultimately, what ends up happening is uh, there was an old flame of hers that happened to be uh, in town and went to the house. And she was like, I really never got a chance to say goodbye, I really wish that I could have. So she enters. George's Georgia's character and basically is able to tell him goodbye. That was her way of making closure because that would be the only way. Because when th- she did enter the other bodies, they were able to see her here when she had control. So that was her way of saying goodbye to an old flame.
0: This entire episode is basically the entire plotline of the series, Auto Man. Which we covered in the second half of last week. But I mean, that, that's exactly what it is, because you had the main character, uh, Desi Arnez's character in Automan, merging into Automan's hologram body. And th- that was more to become vehicles or, uh, right. or stuff like that. But still, it's the same plot line, which I, I find very interesting. Now, I'm trying to think. Was Automan before, after, or during? Automan premiered just after the, the original uh, air date of this episode was December 2nd of 83 and Automan premiered two weeks later. I want to say, I, I don't know the exact just date. It, it, it's on episode three from last week. Go back to episode three. You can figure out what date it premiered, but it did premiere mid December of 83. So it, it was not far wow, after that's, this that's episode really close. Aired.
2: That's really close.
0: Very close. I never thought of that. That's really close. Episode eight rebel with a cause with Jennifer's help. Joey is able to take care of a bully and in the process, acquire his entire lifestyle.
1: Now, if this be the very special episode? No. No. Oh. I'm yeah.
0: just wondering what his entire lifestyle is. Basically, uh, in, in the
2: series, Joey's pretty clean cut. Um, and he, uh, what happens is he's getting bullied in school and what happens is Jennifer actually fought for him, like physically fought for him, like threw him around and all that. Well, he thinks, well, the bully is thinking that Joey is the one doing it. So he basically leaves him alone. And essentially uh, he's, you know, now the rebel now, instead of being the clean cut. Um, And then Jennifer ultimately decide, And then of course, and of course there was a, a girl involved, of course, at one point. And, uh, Ultimately, uh, he learns that, you know, this isn't really for me. I really can't fight even if I wanted to. So basically, he pretty much ends it because Jennifer doesn't want to help him anymore either because she's like, you got to be yourself. You shouldn't be somebody that you're not. And ironically, no, this is not the special episode.
0: Uh, And actually, this is the last episode in 1983. It was December 16th of 83. And it went on. I'm going to assume either hiatus or reruns and then returned in April of 1984 with five new episodes. That's correct. Uh, Episode nine, Risky Weekend. With the rest of the family away, Joey keeps an eye on the house, but a sailboat moored in the backyard crashes into the dining room. To help pay for repairs, he agrees to let the repairman use the house for a bingo game. That is until Joey and Jennifer discover that it's really a gambling operation.
2: Like, they couldn't tell that from the very beginning. And incidentally, this was the first episode that I saw.
0: And, it, again, another plot being recycled because Bob's Burgers did it, like, 2013, when the kids take over the restaurant, they mm-hmm. decided to run an underground casino until mom and dad come home and are like, you know, what is this? And uh, and then the landlord comes by, Mr. Fish Odor, and says, oh, if you're running a gambling operation... Uh, I'm going to need you to pay rent or something like that, you know, since it's more than just a restaurant. Right. Uh, and ultimately it became a sort of double or nothing wager doing uh, rock paper scissors for like six months of back rent or something like that. So again, another episode that's been done, not necessarily done to death, but another tie I see there, which is interesting. Right.
2: Basically, uh, uh, joey's parents go away and uh, uh i forget how the boat ended up in the house but there was but it broke through the house not unlike uh not unlike stephanie tanner when she drove joey's car into oh, there's the name Joey again uh drove it into the car into the kitchen but um so they need to repair the wall before the parents get home so uh there they uh, i forget exactly who it was but they did start a uh a bingo thing going on over there and it was for gambling at the very end they wanted to, uh, they wanted to take all the money and they weren't going to leave them with anything they were just going to use the house and um ultimately jennifer was able to get the money out because she was obviously able to say this is the card you got to play this is what they got you know
0: yeah, i'm just thinking about how that boat got into the house and th- this actually just came to mind it's very coincidental since the time we're recording this is right around the seventh anniversary of Superstorm sandy uh just wondering with all that rain, might it have just floated a- into the house I, 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 uh, I again i I'm just hypothesizing here, but it's just the first thing that came to my mind when you mentioned the whole plot line and I g- say- given that it's November second and hmm. my house was severely affected right around that time by St- superstorm Sandy, I totally uh, would understand if that was the case i th-
2: I want to say that the boat was on a trailer and the trailer lost control. Feasible. Okay. I, I Plausible. Say, I want to say that the boat was being transported, and whoever was driving the boat lost control.
0: Okay. That, that, that makes, I, makes I, sense. Actually, I actually don't remember that one. I'll have to look that up later. Number uh, episode ten. Do you take this ghost? Oh, I, I mean, we could just look at that title and we know what it's going to be about.
1: Somebody's getting married. <laughs> Somebody's getting married. Yeah, um, Jennifer, for, Jennifer's former Playboy boyfriend. How many former Playboy boyfriends does Jennifer Farrell have? Anyway, Jennifer's the same, former the
2: same number of girlfriends that Joey has.
1: So, oh, cool. Uh, Jennifer's former Playboy boyfriend, who is also a ghost, wants to revive the relationship they had when they were alive. Eve McVeigh made a guest appearance.
2: Uh, so Brandon Mygard and um uh, and um George's characters they decide to renew their wedding vows. And the way that it works was since uh, Jennifer and her old flame uh, never really got to, uh, you know, do anything or get married, uh, they decided to take that same ceremony so that they can have their own pseudo ceremony.
0: Now, was this done like in the ghost world or was there actually like a living minister or justice of the peace who was was doing this?
2: There was a living minister that was doing the renewal of the vows. And while he was renewing the vows, they were basically like right in front of them doing their own um, recognition.
0: But, but they were still in ghost form, though, so he could see the ghosts? No, he couldn't see the ghosts. The priest had absolutely no
2: idea that they were even there. They were just taking advantage of the fact that there was going to be somebody there performing such a ceremony. So they just took advantage of it. They couldn't. I mean, obviously, it wasn't. Uh, official obviously because they were dead but um basically it was just a thing where like okay well since this is going on now let's i don't want to say the word pretend but let's you know just do it at the same time so we can have we can know what it would have felt like to go through that such a ceremony how absurd that one was not one of my favorites at all boy i wonder why that that, that's just see even i have standards
0: the 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 (laughs) <laughs> not many, but you do have some. Yeah. Uh, but but that right. that that just doesn't make any sense. Uh, how adjust of the P? And again, I'm not wrapping my mind around it. It's it's too early in the morning, and and uh, I know I, it's just too weird. Uh, episode 11: Life with Grandfather. George's father pays a visit, but when he dies unexpectedly, <laughs> another ghost in the house. Great. The Elliots finally have kind things to say about him that they never told him when he was alive. And I'm guessing the the father did turn into a ghost and he was there to hear all the uh, the the praise they heaped on him?
2: Uh not necessarily. First of all, this is the one that would be considered the very special episode incidentally. Okay. Uh, basically, the grandfather shows up and he uh he's you know, he's uh trying to, you know, hang out with everybody, but everyone's just too busy for him. You know, uh Joey was too busy. Uh he was uh George's father, and he was too busy for him. And it was always one of those things like, okay, well, we'll we'll hang out tomorrow. We'll do stuff tomorrow, that sort of thing. Um, Well, he is up in the attic, which is incidentally where Jennifer Farrell's room was after she was a ghost. It was the attic. So he's up in the attic, the grandfather, and doing like a chemistry experiment because he loved to have things blow up for some reason. Well, he blows up too much and he blows himself literally up to death. So Jennifer runs up to the attic and is going, oh, my God, now the attic is all totally destroyed. And she's like, are you all right? And he says, oh, yeah, I had a little bit too much boom boom. And they start talking. And then she's like, wait a minute, you can hear me and see me. And he goes, wait a minute, aren't you Jennifer Farrell? I thought you were dead. And she was like, well, guess what we have in common. So (laughs) what ultimately happens is at that point uh, later in the show, they're watching home movies. And they're all saying, you know, we really regret we we wish that we could have been able to talk to him and all that. And uh, in the middle of that, Joey runs up to uh, his bedroom and he starts saying, Grandpa, Grandpa. And Jennifer's like, I knew this was coming. And he was like, all right, where is he? If I can talk to you and see you, where is he? And she's like, it doesn't work that way. And then he was like, it's not fair. You need to change this. I want to be able to say goodbye to him. I need to say you know, that I'm, that I'm going to miss him and all that. And he was like, we just, you know, shut up and let me talk to him. And she was like, I can't. She's like, this is why you got to appreciate the people that are in your life while they're still around. And so then ultimately he just starts talking, you know, talking to him, hoping that he can hear him. And, of course, he breaks down the very end and end of story.
0: I don't know. At least for me, that plot line sort of hits home. That, 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 that sounds like the most I realistic he-
2: plot line I think anybody that has ever lost anybody, whether it's yeah. like a parent, a friend, they've always had that one desire. Man, I wish I could talk to them one more time. You know, I feel that way with my mom all the time. Yeah, oh, so do
0: I. And I. Absolutely.
2: And I know you do, Mike, too, with um, everyone in your family also.
0: Well, and, and I mean, when, you, and it, it, when you're talking about this, the first—and it's kind of coincidental that the title of this episode is Life with Grandfather— uh, because the one thing that went through my mind was my grandfather, who unfortunately passed away just over 30 years ago, and and I would have been about the same age as uh, as the main character on Jennifer Schleptier, the the teenage son. Right. Uh, I I would have been about 14 as well, mm-hmm. and even to this day, 30 plus years later, I still have regrets about things that I didn't do with my grandfather. Where yeah. I, you, know, where I wish I could have say, "Oh, Leo, well, just one last time can we go fishing or can we go, you know do this?" And, and so, so yeah, this is like hitting really hard for me. This is hitting home.
2: Yeah, I'm one uh, of I did have a tear in my eye when this was going on, and I think anyone that's ever been really close to anybody and had this and had them die, um, I really do think that it would hit home no matter who you are. Um, yeah. Is definitely the most realistic of the plots of the 13 shows. And, you know, and they tried to incorporate a little bit of humor in it, of course, obviously. But it was like after the second half started, it was just it was like Steel Magnolias at the friggin uh, at the cemetery. It was just downhill as far as the um, as, as far as the comic relief, it went downhill. The seriousness shot through the roof.
0: I know the show was essentially, excuse the, the, the phrase, the pun. I know it was dead from the start. Yeah. But I, I just wonder if this episode aired, instead of in late nineteen uh, April of 84, if this was one of the first few episodes that was done, might it have saved the show? If, if there is some sort of realism, some something to, that people can connect with, could it maybe have saved the show? I, I, I don't know, but, it, but I don't the thing is... I also want to say, I think this one was recorded
2: a lot earlier as far as the production number was concerned. I think it was one of the earlier ones recorded. I might be wrong on that. Um, but for whatever reason, they held off on airing it until later.
0: Which yeah. I th- and I think it's a big mistake. I-, I think really if there's any way you can get your characters or, or your viewers to connect with characters, that you definitely been- do it from the, the start.
2: It's always a death or a birth in a sitcom where people start to connect.
0: And the thing is that they save this until late summer of 84. And again, by that time, we'll get into the ratings in a little bit. But uh, needless to say, this uh, the show is not going to make it to a second season. I just wonder if the episodes were placed in a different order, if maybe they could have drawn some more viewers, even though you had a bad show before Jennifer Slept Here, and you had probably a worse show after Jennifer Slept Here. Right. So that was our very special episode. And, and, and yes, after hearing that and, and just getting a little emotional, uh, that is a very special show, to say the least.
1: Mm-hmm. Indeed it is.
0: And, and, and now I know what I'm going to be looking for on YouTube after we finish this recording. Yep. If it's up there. Uh, episode 12, The Tutor Who Came to Dinner. Yes. When when a new tutor appears to help Joey, Jennifer becomes jealous of her, and for good reason, as the tutor played by Gail Edwards, who was also on It's a Living with Angillian, is actually Jennifer's spiritual replacement. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, there seems like there's a little bit to unpack here, so go for yeah, it. Yeah, we first. went
1: from incredibly serious, incredibly relatable plot line Completely to incredible. Yeah.
2: Yep. Okay, so here's the deal. As you just said, yes, it starred Gail Edwards, who played Dot and It's a Living, which I always wondered. That had to be fun, because I believe It's a Living was off the air when during that one year. I think that was when it was transitioning from network to syndication, I think.
0: Uh, it was a little more than a year, but uh, It's a Living got canceled, I believe, in 82, 82 or 83, and then it returned in syndication in 85. Okay. So first of all, having them reunited had
2: to be interesting if you were a fan of It's a Living at the time. Um, So basically, here's the deal. The powers that be are saying we're trying to say that Jennifer was a bad influence on Joey, that she was not uh, treating him. uh, She wasn't being a proper muse, a a proper uh, a, a proper guide, as it were. So uh, Gail Edwards' character was sent to be her replacement. And uh, it was one of those scenarios where Jennifer's like, I don't understand how you can possibly say that I am a bad influence on Joey. Well, Gail Edwards grabs a tape player and is playing uh, basically uh, nothing but Jennifer barking at Joey about petty things. And uh, essentially what happens is, is that Joey does not want Jennifer to leave because they had already gotten close at this point and she and Jennifer's like well I don't know what we can do so Joey was like well what if I can make it so that you do something that is amazing for me you know like I can be I can show her how I can be so very difficult you know like I can have I can have little uh, fits you know let's you know see how good she can handle me I can really you know play it up so He starts playing it up, you know, like, you know, I need this, I need that, I have demands. And Jennifer's going, you better do this because he's not, he's going to have fits until you do what he tells you. So she starts doing it for a bit. So Gail Edwards' character starts doing it for a couple of minutes. And then she was like, you know what, do you really think that I'm that stupid that I don't know what you two are doing? And ultimately, in the end, Gail Edwards' character is like, but you know what, the fact that the two of you obviously care enough about each other to go through all this trouble obviously you guys need each other, so I'm going to get out of here. Nice. Speechless. <laughs> uh, and, uh, the- and ironically, um, Gil Edwards was using uh, not necessarily sex appeal for Joey in the very beginning to get him to get on her side, but let's face it, she was, uh, she was kind of flaunting it a little bit in the beginning.
0: And that takes us to the final episode. Take Jennifer, please. It sounds like it was written by Henny Youngman. Take my wife, please. <laughs> Fed up with having her, his father not believing that he can see Jennifer, Joey must find a way to convince him otherwise, even if it means having Jennifer prove her exi- uh, her presence before the entire family. So Jennifer tells Joey that she'll help him if Joey can produce the real will, she wrote, which is located in George's office safe. Right. Now, now wait a second. Well, okay, Now there's no way she could have gotten the will out of the safe. But couldn't she go into the safe to look at the will? Well, here's
2: the thing. Uh, The whole point of the story was that there was no will. She had never written a will. And it was a phony will that somebody was uh, cracking up to try to get her belongings. So it was a fake will. And what happened was, this is also the episode where we learn how Jennifer died. Have we discussed that yet? No, we haven't. Uh, no, we have not. Okay, so here's what happened. In the middle of all this, um, you know, Joby's like, I really wish whatever. And she was like, well, anyway, uh, it should be mentioned that uh, George's character is a lawyer. So he, was, he found the will and he was trying to do what was right with the will. But Jennifer's going, I never had a will. Now, the way that I, she was like, did I ever tell you how I died? And he was like, no, you never told me. She had written a letter stating, stating what she really wanted done, which was nothing. She was on her way to mail this letter that proved that there was no will. There was no active will because it wasn't finalized. While she was walking to the post office or where, wherever she was going to her mailbox or whatever, she got run over by an ice cream truck. Oops. <laughs> As she says on the show, she was creamed by a creamsicle. So what anyway the point is is that the letter that she had was mailing was going to be proof that there was no official will yet and the problem was is that she knew that it was in the office but she didn't know where in the office it was didn't know if it was in a safe didn't know if it was cuz his office was an absolute mess so they were finally able to get the paper which cleared her name with there not being will so um, you know, basically, uh, they inherited everything. <sighs> okay. now,
0: th- there's only one thing I can say about this, and uh, now I can see why this series was canceled because one phrase comes to mind right now if there's a will, there's a way they get renewed. Boo! Boo! I- I'm sorry, could you say it a little louder for the people in the back? <laughs> oh, you mean for the cheap seats? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, th- that was. I just. I had to do that. I'm. I. I no regret.
1: Five Mike Klaus.
0: So yeah, that was. Uh, uh, Jennifer slipped here. Uh, the ratings were horrible. Um, I, I mentioned didn't this on. Oh, did it sorry. actually
1: do better in reruns than it did in its actual
0: run? It it, it did, and actually, I, I was going to get to that. Uh, we mentioned on a previous episode, I believe it was the <coughs> Mr. Smith episode, that uh, the week uh, of Mr. Smith's final episode, which would have been, I believe, the 16th of December, The uh, Mr. Smith was the 63rd rated show out of 65 shows that week. And 61st was either Manimal or Jennifer Slept Here, and the other one of those three was 59th. So already in three months into the season or two months into the season, Jennifer Slept Here was in the bottom 10% of the ratings. And uh, we we mentioned also that in summer of 84, it got rerun twice. It was rerun on uh, Wednesdays and also on Fridays. And the ratings actually did manage to break the top 30. However, it really didn't make much of a difference because for the 1983, 84 season, Jennifer Slept Here was ranked
1: 89th. Oh, wow. That show is dead in the water. Yeah. That's how you make a pun, Mike.
0: Hey, I liked my, if there's a will, there's a way pun. Just because you don't, not my fault, you don't have any taste. Uh, (laughs) But uh, talking about this show... Might we see it in reruns? For 13 episodes, it's not going to be on TV ever again, probably.
2: No, I would find that very. Diff- I, I don't think there's a Snowball's Chance in Hell, which is probably where Jennifer ended up.
0: Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and and very, you're complaining very, about my funds? Nice. Oh, very my nice. God. Very nice, uh, Chris. Well, the. It's, uh,
2: all, it's all in the delivery, my friend.
0: And I didn't deliver, obviously. Uh, well, Jennifer Slept Here was partially done, uh, partially produced by Columbia Pictures Television, which means it's under the Sony umbrella, which means, yeah, there's a, an app that Sony has called Crackle. Might it somehow one day appear on Crackle? Because sometimes they show some really weird stuff on there. I've just thrown that up in the air. I mean, we, we, we've sort of gone this route with most every show saying, you know, this is under the Viacom umbrella or the Disney umbrella, and you've got Disney Plus coming out. And what if Viacom or, or, or CBS All Access we talked about? You know, what if they decide to put it on there one day? You never know. And it, it seems like a, a lot of these uh, corporations, uh, companies, are digitizing their their holdings not necessarily just for an on-demand market or amazon prime or or similar but also just to archive them because obviously digital stu- stuff takes up a lot less space than an actual tangible actual actual tangible cassette or or film reel
2: right plus the deterioration from uh, decades of storage if they are even if they're stored properly we are now learning as time goes on, uh, just how severely damaged, uh, film can be. We're also learning, uh, in recent years, uh, just how the lifespan of, uh, CD and DVDs are. We're learning that they're, that the earliest ones of them are starting to now fail. So it's all a matter of, you know, how can we preserve what we have done already? And right absolutely. now, and right now digital is the way.
0: Oh, uh-huh. no, no, you're absolutely right. Because, I uh, weren't like Johnny Carson's tapes stored in like a salt mine in, in Kansas or something like that. And yeah, yeah. they're going to degrade. It's just, it's, it's basic chemistry. Right. Everything ha- it has, everything has a half-life. Everything has some sort of um, recommended temperature or, or environmental set- settings. Right. And gosh knows that, you know, with with the entire debate of global warming over the last 30, 40 years, Stuff is gonna just be unplayable. Plus, plus, also on top of that, just the um, oh, uh, just based on the obsolescence, the antiquity of equipment. I mean, if stuff was filmed on two or three inch tapes back in the seventies, they don't make those machines. They haven't made those machines probably in forty or forty five years. You don't even so have to go, you have no way have, to watch
2: them. You don't even have to go back that far. You can go back about a dozen years. Not many people even have VHS decks anymore.
0: Oh, no. And actually, it's kind of funny. I was just thinking the other day, I could actually use a VCR to look through some of my old tapes. And I think the only functional VCR I have is one that I know hasn't been used in at least, I would say, 13 years, which was my grandmother's. Uh Uh-huh. So who knows if even that works? Maybe it needs some some oil or WD-40 in order to get working.
2: It's one of those, when it comes to uh, home VHS, it's one of those things where you kind of wish a lot more people took the Sally Struthers route and took TVBCR repair. Because in this uh-huh. day and age, the only way to preserve some of these is if, and I'm saying this as somebody that collects uh, computers and gaming consoles from the 70s and 80s. The only way to make sure that they're going to continue to work is to learn how to maintain them internally.
0: That's absolutely true. They don't make them anymore. They stopped making right. VHS decks ha- two or three years
2: ago. Right. Now I have like, for example, I have an Apple II right next to me. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at it right now. If that thing fails, if I don't know how to fix it, it's going to cost me a couple hundred dollars to get another one if I can find one in that condition.
0: If you can find one, period. I mean, yeah, right. I'm sure it's not that hard. You can find it on eBay or, or, or someplace, right. but, but then one- you get into shipping it and shipping right. an Apple IIe is not going to be cheap. Right. Plus, you have
2: to realize, do you want to spend $300 for a new Apple II when it's a $5 part that needs to be replaced? Right. So when it comes to preservation, you know, the best thing that you can do, uh, and this goes out to anybody regardless of what their hobby may be, if it involves anything that plugs in, the best thing that you can do is to learn how it works from the inside and learn how to do your own repairs
0: for preservation of anything. You're absolutely correct about that. Great insight. Very good, yes. Well, uh, we're going to do a little postscript on Jennifer Slept here. We've gone through the episodes. We've gone through the history. Um, well, the first thing I want to bring up is we talked uh, before we started recording about the theme song. And I think we are diametrically opposed on the feelings of the theme song. Uh, Chris, <laughs> I, think you, I think you really enjoyed it.
2: It was it was good corny eighties cheese.
0: Okay, and that's the
1: reason I didn't like it, but also it pasteurized okay. processed cheese product. It,
2: uh, it, no, let me put it this way: there's there's two different types of cheese products. We have your velvetas and then we have that Kraft crap in the green cans. This,
1: this is, is the crap in the green cans. This is
2: the bot. This is the leftover bottom that you find in the back of the fridge about three years later of that green canned craft cheese. Uh-huh. But here's the thing. I might not like the craft cheese, but I like other corniness. Let me just put it that way.
0: Well, <laughs> and, and now that you make that comparison to Velveeta and, and the crappy, cheese, are you basically suggesting government cheese? <laughs> oh. I, uh, let me put it this way.
2: Um, not even rations, not even survival rations from the 50s.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay. So so the, the, the thing I wanted to say was the person who actually did the theme song was a gentleman named Joey Scarberry, who we talked about earlier. Uh, he is best known for probably one of the best theme songs ever. One that actually believe hit the charts. Not. Yeah, believe it or not.
1: Believe it or not,
0: I'm walking on air. Uh, which was th-
1: co-written by Mike Post, the – king of the theme song. Yep.
0: And and this is the theme song to the short-lived but really great, The Greatest American Hero, back in, uh, I think it was about 81, 82. Mm -hmm. Best theme song ever. And I'm going to sort of rank this. The the Greatest American Hero theme, believe it or not, it isn't Velveeta. It is like upper-class Brie or gray air or whatever the the best cheese in the world is that and then uh right around the time that um that jennifer slept here aired he did work on one of chris's favorite specials i know this uh-huh. it's flash beagle charlie brown
2: hey he's the champion he's the best impossible to tame all right that-
0: so that right there, Flash Beagle is your that Velveeta. Show,
2: that's, that shows uh, my taste in cheese.
0: But but still, that's the Velveeta. That's the the lower middle tier or middle tier of cheeses. And then Jennifer slept here is like three floors below the sub basement. It isn't even like deserving of having the word cheese. I'm sorry. I I got through the theme. About, about ten seconds of the theme, maybe even less than that, because it was just so. Oh. All right, now let's. And and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I had to actually ask myself, this is the same guy who did the Greatest American Hero. Now what I mean, they're they're the just
2: us. so horrible. Now continuing on with the opening credits, uh what did you think about the Young and the Restless style sketching?
1: Uh, I like I, it. I, I was didn't really play. pay attention to that. I was a fan of the young and the restless sketching, actually,
2: because that's okay. ha- that's the type of sketching that was done for the opening of Jennifer Slept Here.
0: Yes. Oh, it's very similar. Uh, like I said, I didn't really pay much attention to it. I was still like racking my brain over how bad the theme song was. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, it, it it was definitely a unique type of um, way to introduce the the credits.
2: Uh, well try it. next time you watch you go to watch one. try watching the opening credits muted.
0: You actually think I'm gonna go revisit this show after today? Oh you have to. You have to watch grandfather. I, I'm going to look at the, the grandfather episode I really seriously will try to look for if it's online, which uh, based on uh, the other episodes uh, it looks like they are online it's online somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but also I mean th- think about and this is gonna parallel another NBC show in the early 80s remember how the opening to family ties was wasn't really a sketch more than a painting
1: yes yeah and this was seasons two through four i think yeah i think it was until
0: uh oh another spoiler for another future episode uh until they had uh the little kid who magically grew up to be like six years old in one year (laughs) hey tv is magic Oh we're we're going to get into some of the magic and goofiness in future episodes but yeah that that's been the top of a conversation between myself Chico and Greg is just how magically the the little boy uh, on family ties who was born I think it was the 85 86 season or 84 85 how he suddenly became like 4 or 5 years old in the next season same with growing pains Uh-huh Same with growing pains we talked about that as well absolutely but uh, bringing it back on track here, uh, regarding the actors themselves, we talked about Georgia Engel. She just passed away this past April. Uh, she, I, I apologize for leaving her out when I was mentioning the, the cast earlier. As she, you she,
2: should have. <laughs> she,
0: she is a legend. I mean, you, you may not know the name, but mm-hmm. you definitely you know, know the voice. face, know and you face. definitely know the voice. So, uh, and then Jillian. She went through a lot right after Jennifer slept here. Yeah. She's been through a lot since. Uh, In 1985, uh, she had a cancer scare at 35. So young. And she she had a mastectomy done in 1985. Uh, She formally retired as an actress in 2000. And uh, her last appearance was on an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. And really, she's been sort of out of the limelight since, I would really say since, like, the, the late 80s. You, yeah. I, I remember as a kid hearing a lot about her cancer scare, and then it seemed like around 87, 88, you didn't hear much of her anymore.
2: Right. Now, she did have um, that, other, that other show, the
0: Angelian show. I believe that was late 80s. That yeah, one, that was about
1: 1988. She played the police officer. Right, yeah. 88,
0: 89, yeah. Yep. But, but she's essentially been out of the limelight since then and she hasn't even done there's no credits to her name over the last almost 20 years. But she'd be 70 at this point. She has a well-deserved retirement. That's true. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. I, I she, she as much as maybe Chris might make fun of her or she was a very decent actress throughout ba- the entirety of the 80s outside of her medical scare. Right. Yep. I mean, I mean, It's a Living still reruns nowadays on Logo, so and it couldn't have been that bad.
2: And it's going to be joining Antenna TV in January.
1: Very which, nice. Which we do have here in Raleigh, so.
2: You do or you we don't? don't? We do. Oh, okay.
1: Uh, I do and I don't. Um, Cleveland does
0: carry Antenna TV. The problem is I can't get Antenna TV on my cable system. Uh, nor can I get it through a satellite, even though I live 15 miles away from downtown Cleveland. How about another? And, and I live on a hill, so go figure. I what can't get a- satellite reception on a hill. Not even an over-the-air antenna? Uh, I've tried. I've tried numerous times. Really? Oh yeah. I I, I have had very bad luck with antennas, uh, and I was thinking about getting a full-fledged antenna on the roof, but wow. I ultimately said to myself, "Why am I going to waste the money if I can't get any?" Of these uh, these digital stations, right?
2: Like I've been wanting to do that too. Unfortunately, Philadelphia is the closest city for me, and that's 45 miles away. And I live in the woods. I have a one-story house. I'm surrounded by two-story houses. It was not happening.
0: Yeah, you're you're not getting anything out there. I'm sorry. No, nope. so
2: I'm kind of I'm kind of stuck with uh cable, unfortunately.
0: Well, some cable systems do carry antenna TV. I know my father's does so maybe you just need to find the right provider
2: right now of course in my area you have a choice comcast or nothing
0: boy that's not much of a choice
2: no i mean if you want to go cable we don't have access to fires around here of course we could go through the dishes if we want to but even that it's a gamble in some areas
0: ah uh and as we mentioned earlier glenn scarpelli is doing well he is actually as i said either friends or friends of friends of Chris and myself, and is actually very active uh, when talking with uh, a mutual friend of ours. Absolutely. And, and he is a, a big supporter of, well, obviously, he is, he is homosexual. Uh, he's obviously a big supporter of the gay rights movement. He's been a very big influence on a number of friends of ours. A right. very big influence.
2: Right. And uh, let me see, what else could I say about him? Uh, uh, you are, are you aware that he had released a record? What? I, I, I did not know that. He released a record. Um, it was actually kind of funny. I was talk. Uh, we were talking a couple of weeks ago. And uh, for those that uh, do not know, let me tell you, I have a little radio program uh, at my college radio station where I play 80s music. And he had released a record, self-titled record, and uh, it didn't. He there was I there was one single released. It was uh, called Get a Get a Love On, and uh, it was kind of like a um, like a dancey R and B style. Uh, it didn't do well on the charts, but I actually played it on my show a couple of times. And when I told Glenn that I had played it on my show, uh, he was like, "Are you serious?" I said, "Yeah, I played it. I showed him a copy of the log." And he was like, "That is so fun. I can't. I don't even think my songs were ever played on the radio, let alone in 2019." And uh, so he got a real kick out of that when I showed him the he was like, that is so cool seeing my name on a radio station log after all these years. And uh, (laughs) in recent years, uh, he has been working on a um, on a segment on his local uh, cable system. Uh, It's called uh, Sedona Now Television. And it's a um, it's just like a little uh, thing that he does uh, in regards to um, producing uh, local content, which is kind of a rarity in this day and age when you think about it you know everything is so national anymore uh so he's been working on some local television stage, uh segments for a uh, little production that he's been doing in recent years
0: sweet well it's good he's still in the business that's great yeah yeah he enjoys it superb well that wraps up jennifer slept here uh before we go i know chris just mentioned his radio show would you like to do a more formal plug Uh, Sure. Uh,
2: The name of the program is called The Vinyl Countdown. I got the name from uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. I thought that was a kick-ass name for a uh, record store. And I was like, man, that would be a great name for a radio show. Uh, It's on the air every—currently it's on every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, In the southeastern Jersey area, it's on 107.9 WRML. But it is also available uh, online at wrmlradio.org. And so on Wednesday nights from 6 p.m. till 9 p.m., the entire show is dedicated to music of the 80s.
0: Nice. Now I hope you don't get sued by Rockstar Games for using their name. Well, I'm sh- well. guess what? I'm not the only one that uses that name, so let's have some fun. Oh, there you go. You're going to just point at somebody else. He did it before me, Mr. Teacher. <laughs> yes, he yeah, did yeah, it. That works really well in my classroom, Chris. I'm just telling you that right now. <laughs> i'm sorry
2: mr klaus
0: but yeah i i will vouch chris does a great job and he's been doing this for some time and he loves he is a kid of the 80s let's just admit that He, he is a true kid of the 80s he loves that time era the music the television he does a great job please listen to him thank you oh you're more than welcome uh in terms of plugging for us as always, you can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash it was a thing on TV, on Instagram at Instagram.com it was a thing uh, slash it was a thing on TV, on Tumblr at itwasathingontv.tumblr.com, a thing on And we're on Twitter at guess what? Twitter.com slash it was a thing on TV. And as always, you can find all the episodes of the podcast on iTunes, on Google Play, on Stitcher, and at our website, which is itwasathingontv.podbean.com. I
1: was just about to say, Chris Lane, feel free to come back anytime.
2: I would love to. I had a great time. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. I appreciate it. I (laughs) had such a
0: fun time. You are definitely a friend of the show. You uh, feel free to let us know uh, when you'd like to return. Uh, Also, one little correction slash update from last week before we go. I had mentioned that people would watch Manimal if Simon McCorkendale had ever turned into a nice animal, a kitty cat or a puppy dog. Well, guess what? Simon McCorkendale transformed into a kitty cat on the Manimal pilot. This cannot be stressed enough. This cannot be overemphasized. Right in your face, Greg. He was a little kitty cat in an episode. And it still didn't save the show. Yeah. Uh well that wraps up not just that wraps up not just this episode of It Was the Thing on TV, but also if you noticed there was a little commonality between the four episodes we've done thus far. Match game Hollywood Squares, Manimal. I'm not gonna include Automan for an obvious reason. Uh Mr. Smith and uh, Jennifer Slept here. Those shows were 1983 bombs, not necessarily bombs, but there were shows on NBC in 1983 slash 84. And actually for the, one of the goals we have for this podcast is we're going to be giving you sort of thematic blocks of episodes. It may be four episodes like this. It may be two episodes. We've got certain special episodes along the way, but starting next week, we're going to start a new block of episodes. I'm not going to tell you the theme of those episodes. But uh, you'll have at least – I think we have four episodes. You'll have uh, – I got it somewhere. I'll take a look at it later. You'll have four episodes of the theme, plus actually we're going to be doing a bonus episode unrelated to that theme for Thanksgiving. And So you'll get the week of Thanksgiving, uh, the week of the 23rd or 24th, you'll get a normal thematic episode and a bonus episode, like a mini-sode, if you will. So keep your eyes out for that. See if you can identify the mystery theme. It shouldn't be that hard. Uh, Again, as always, thank you, Chico, for helping us out. Greg, thank you for helping. And Chris, again, whenever you want to come back, let us know. You you are more than welcome to come back with uh, your insight.
2: Awesome. Thank you again so much. I really appreciate it.
0: And most of all, thank you for listening to the podcast. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.